0: In 2006, a man named Craig Monte began to attend mosque services in Orange County, California. The Muslim community welcomed him, but over time, people became concerned. This new convert was espousing radical views. Local Muslim activists quickly waved down the federal government, but the feds did nothing. What was up with that? The Monte went public with a secret. He was an FBI informant who was assigned, a few years after 9-11, to spy on Muslims. But now he was ready to team up with those Muslims to expose what he described as a federal government's illegal surveillance operation. Um what? I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. It's Friday, November 12th, 2021. Eventually, local Muslim leaders forged an uneasy alliance with Monte. With the assistance of the ACLU, they sued the federal government in 2011, alleging that the FBI violated the constitutional rights of Muslims by spying on them solely because of their religion. The feds denied that, but they also claimed they couldn't disclose why they spied on them. To do so, according to them, would reveal state secrets. Now the lawsuit is before the Supreme Court, and the feds want it dismissed. Today, we hear from LA Times reporter Suhana Hussein, who is covering the case. We'll hear from some of the plaintiffs and Muslim activists. And we'll also hear from Craig Monte himself.
1: Uh, my uh, responsibility was to infiltrate the Muslim community in Orange County and Los Angeles County.
0: Suhana, welcome to The Times.
2: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: There's so many ways into this case, but all roads go back to Craig Monte. What's his story?
2: Craig Monte was kind of a con artist when he started working as a paid informant for law enforcement. You know, they offered him a deal. Uh, He started doing that um, sort of on a smaller scale and then. Finally, one day, some folks from the FBI and specifically a counterterrorism unit in Orange County approached him to infiltrate mosques in the Orange County area.
0: So he goes to the Islamic Center of Irvine and tells worshippers there that he's interested in converting.
1: They asked me, well, are you serious about becoming Muslim? And I said, yes. They said, well, tomorrow is Friday, Friday Prayers would you be interested in taking the statement of faith called shahada? And I said, yes. And we scheduled that meeting for the next day. Well, when I left the office and reported back to the FBI, they were elated. They, were, they celebrated because that part of the experiment was working.
0: What led Craig's handlers to have him focus on mosques, specifically in Orange County?
2: We don't know a lot of those details. The FBI hasn't really said very much about this. From what we know from Craig Monte is that he was just supposed to go in, specifically at the Islamic Center of Irvine and Islamic Centers in the area, and just get to know people and let people come to him.
1: So from there is when Operation Flex was birthed. And the FBI wanted to see if certain Muslims would come to me to radicalize me. Usually I would go to the mosque about three times a day. And I was known after a while in these mosques.
0: And the way Craig would try to gain the confidence of Muslim men, especially younger Muslim men, was he'd go to them and say, hey, I'm a weight trainer. Let's hey, let's work out together. And as they would work out together, he would slowly just start uh, saying, you know, espousing radical beliefs and to see who might react to them positively and then detail everything back to the FBI.
2: Yeah, exactly. So he would kind of get bolder in and more aggressive in the sort of remarks he would make to try to, I guess, like provoke people to say something that he felt like he could use and bring back to the FBI
1: The FBI had a plan. Their plan came from DC, and the plan was that they would, in time, construct a Islamic gym where it would be my gym, it'd be in Arabic all over the the inside of the gym, just so that I had an isolated area to talk to people uninterrupted that never transpired but that was the plan what was remarkable to me back then was how quickly Craig was
0: outed like less than a year and how furious the Muslim community he spied on was against him and then they got even angrier at the feds because once they realized he was an informant the fed seemed to not want to talk to the Muslim community or explain why exactly they were
2: spying on him the way that it sort of broke any sort of working relationship um, local Muslim leaders had with the FBI and really, really psychologically impacted people. And yeah, people were angry, people were scared, people didn't know what was happening. Is someone I talked to who is the head of a local chapter of a Muslim advocacy organization called CARE, Council on American Islamic Relations. He's the director of the local chapter. His name is Hussam Ailush.
3: And, and this came at, at a time when the FBI was assuring us and reassuring us again and again that we're here on friendly basis. You guys are not suspects. We're here to get to know each other. This is an outreach. These are the terms they, they used to use with us. And then to find out that actually we were deemed as a community, not individuals, not as a community, as suspects, that we needed to be monitored of course, that raised a lot of concern, a lot of anger, anguish and sense of betrayal.
0: Why did Craig decide to turn against the FBI then? What, you know, his dramatic press conference where he said, yes, I am a snitch, but now I'm here to uh, help Muslims go against uh, the people who made me into a snitch.
2: I mean, really what happened is he got pissed because his very lucrative paid informant gig was up. And not only that, but the Islamic Center of Irvine had a restraining order against him at that point. The FBI at the time had been paying him something like 11,000 a month. And then, you know, obviously they stopped that and he was upset.
0: We'll be back after this break. Suhana, so how did Craig and the plaintiffs in the lawsuit make their truce? Again, this is a man who admits, I was spying on your community to try to see if there is any terrorism to the federal government. But now we should work together to work against the federal government.
2: Yeah, his relationship with the community is really complicated and thorny. You know, at first when he went public, um, he was upset with the FBI, but he was still saying, hey, you know, I did something important. But then that started to change and he reached out and provided a lot of information to the ACLU that very central to their case.
0: And so the Muslim plaintiffs trust him with all this information that he's giving them.
2: I wouldn't say that they are the most trustful of him, the people I talked to. (laughs) One of the plaintiffs actually, Yasser Fazaga, said that, well, at this point, I trust Craig Monte more than the FBI. So, you know, it's like a shaky relationship, but it's what they have right now.
0: Suhana, the lawsuit itself, that's before the Supreme Court, what's it about?
2: The original lawsuit that was filed in 2011 by the ACLU and the Council on American Islamic Relations, as well as three plaintiffs who were surveilled, they argued that the FBI, and so the US government targeted them simply because of their religion, violating their constitutional protections to sort of practice their religion.
0: Yeah, this past week, oral arguments for this case went before the U.S. Supreme Court. Here's Ahilan Arulanatham, the lawyer for the plaintiffs in this case.
4: The government, whatever records they got from them because, you know, Mr. Fazaga was leading his congregation in prayer or Mr. Malik decided as a young man to embrace his faith they would at least know then that got burned because it wasn't right. It wasn't right to spy on them because you thought that they were dangerous just because they were embracing their faith.
2: The FBI has argued that it can't defend itself in this case without revealing state secrets that could pose some sort of like risk to national security. And so they've consistently moved to dismiss this case.
0: Here's Edwin S. Needler, the Deputy Solicitor General for the U.S. Department of Justice. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court, the state secrets privilege is firmly grounded in the Constitution and the common law and is critical to safeguarding the national security.
2: The FBI has said that they think the case's claims are meritless and they don't target people for their ethnicity or their religion, but then they they don't back it
0: up. Indeed, in this case, the government argued and the district court agreed that because the information concerning the reasons, the subjects, the sources and methods of this foreign intelligence investigation was so central to the case that the case that the First Amendment claim had to be dismissed. The main plaintiff in the case is Yasser Fazaga. What's his story?
2: Well, at the time, he was the imam at a local Islamic center, he had interactions with the informant Craig Monte.
3: Craig Monte made this point that he said that the FBI is 80% white males and they don't really have minorities there. And they, they said that the best thing was to have community members spy on community members.
2: Monte was kind of starting to get well known at all of the Islamic centers in the area. He visited a lot of them and Craig Monte has said that he specifically was trying to surveil Yasser Fazaga because the FBI was upset about this imam's animosity towards them.
3: This isn't the whole meeting. So now Craig Monte is explaining why the FBI wanted to monitor me. And they felt that they were offended and disrespected by me, and that's why they needed to monitor me.
2: There was this town hall before Craig Monte came into the picture, where local leaders had uh, someone from the FBI come and basically address concerns and questions that the community had about surveillance and monitoring because they felt like the FBI was watching the Muslim community there. And this guy uh, from the FBI at the town hall said in no uncertain terms that they were not surveilling the community. Um, And in that town hall, uh, Yasir Fazaga had pushed back and asked more questions.
3: I'm not sure what it was about me, but from what he said is the FBI was offended by my behavior in the town hall meeting because I just kept pushing for better answers and um, in one of these exchange between myself and the um regional director back then stephen tirwell he asked me if i thought he was lying which was very intimidating that's not what you're supposed to do to a citizen that is just inquiring
2: according to monte that kind of put him on the fbi's path and their radar
0: you also spoke to another plaintiff, Ali Malik.
2: Yeah, Ali Malik uh, was a student at the time. He was really young, like early 20s. Um, I think he was pretty politically active on his college campus. And he was uh, the Imam who had first spoken to Craig Monte and who sort of arranged him converting to Islam.
4: During our Friday prayer, and it's usually a pretty large congregation. We have over a thousand worshippers that come to this Islamic center and, you know, that was the day that Craig decided he wanted to testify to his faith and become Muslim in front of the congregation. And like any new Muslim convert, you know, we, we feel as Muslims it's our obligation. And me personally, like, I want to welcome that individual to the community.
2: Craig Montoya said he was particularly interested in Ali Malik because um, he had gone from being... Uh, <laughs> what Craig describes as like a surfer dude to being more of a devout Muslim. And for some reason that, you know, the FBI honed in on that. They were especially targeting young men, especially those who were politically active.
4: And he's like, I need to talk to you. And then, so he pulls me aside. He's like, where, where can we talk after prayer? And we pray and I'm kind of nervous. I'm like, what's going on? You know, he seems pretty upset. But we get out to the fountain and he starts asking me questions about, um, about violence. You know, he's like um, asking me questions about like jihad or like violent aspects of it, and what the imam here thought of it, and would he be in support of it? Is he like a jihadi type? Type questions, you know. And I'm like, I'm like, no, no way. Like, jihad is a struggle against yourself, against desires that cause you to be evil. And you need to fight against those struggles. And that's what I was taught. I tried to end it, like, immediately. I was just like, this is ridiculous. This is is weird.
0: Finally, the U.S. has had a long history of embedding informants within targeted groups, mostly minority groups. What are the larger implications of this particular case?
2: So the FBI and other law enforcement entities do have this, like you said, this long history of using sort of throwaway informants to sort of infiltrate and uh, groups that they feel like pose a threat to the U.S. Some of the people who were specifically targeted by the FBI, like they lost their jobs and their reputation went down the toilet. It was really interesting for me to like report this story because growing up, I was really young when 9-11 happened. I remember that my parents, were really paranoid all the time that, like, my mom always felt like our phones were being wiretapped. Um, my dad was always telling me to be really careful about what kinds of things I searched on the internet. My family definitely felt like it was being monitored. And, um, you know, obviously, I I don't know that um, there was any sort of monitoring going on of my family, but I think reporting this out, I was finally able to sort of fully grasp um, what it feels like to be watched all the time and the sort of very devastating impact it can have on your life. Um, Like there were people who moved away um, because they were so afraid, like they didn't have anything to do with Craig Monte really, but you know they didn't wanna go to the Islamic Center of Irvine anymore. They might've moved out of the country, they moved out of the States. This happened with several families. Um, This had like real consequences for real people.
0: Suhana, thank you so much for this conversation.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: We will continue to watch for the outcome of this case and we'll update you when that happens. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Next week, our masters of disasters reconvene its monthly meeting, this time to discuss flooding. When it rains, it pours, am I right? And yes, I will repeat that cliche then. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, and Melissa Kaplan. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editors are Shawnee Hilton and Lauren Rabb, and our theme music is by Andrew Eapin. Special thanks to Julia Turner, Hector Becerra, Shelby Grad, Jackie Luna, and Albert Lee. Like what you're listening to? Then make sure to follow The Times on whatever platform you use. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back Monday with all the news in this madre. Gracias.